3: Back into it, it's hour two. It's Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in our favorite Husker NFL offensive lineman, Jeremiah Searles. He's all ready for turkey and stuffing and, dare I say, green bean casserole, Papa Searles.
1: I I, I, I don't discriminate against any against any Thanksgiving food except no, for no cranberry size. sauce. Okay. Cranberry I, sauce is disgusting.
3: Get the canned. No, no 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 no. no, 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 That's it's a fruit, it's a fruit roll-up, it's a fruit roll-up
1: in a can, That's no. what it tastes there's like, there's no need for that, there's no need for that, if I want sugar, I'm going straight to the pie, I'm not going <laughs> to cranberry sauce, if I want sugar and filling, straight to the pumpkin apple pie,
2: no, no, here's my thing, the canned cranberry sauce, no, homemade cranberry sauce, yes, never made it homemade, Searles is like setting both on
3: fire. It's okay, Searles. <laughs> uh, you're not gonna do a little pecan action.
1: I mean, again, I discriminate against no pies, but I think the wife. I think the wife went with uh, my mom and got apple and pumpkin pies. So. Okay. You know, that's that's the go to here. It's a little smaller Thanksgiving here at my parents place. They have a little bit smaller of our house. Kitchen's not very big. So my wife actually bought her brought her toaster oven with her so we can have another oven here. So cool. We're all set for we're doing it tomorrow night, um, Wednesday night, because I'm actually driving back to Nebraska on Thanksgiving. So, so that's
3: that's a roadie. That's a quick turn and burn.
1: It is. Yeah, we got out here on Sunday in the turnaround because I had head to New York on Saturday to watch J. Mike play on cool. Sunday against the Giants, or against the Patriots, Giants-Patriots. So excited about that, too.
2: That'll be good. So Iowa- well, well, saying Giants-Patriots will be good, that's... no it, it, see,
1: Seeing so, your guy, that'll be good. But I'm
2: not sure about watching the Giants and the Patriots play football. Listen,
1: listen. the last two times, I've so I've had two trips out to New York that have gotten canceled. The first one was on the Monday Night Football, the opener, and they got killed and it was pouring rain. The second time I was supposed to go out there was two weeks ago, and they ended up pouring rain, getting killed again. So I'm hoping that now third time's a charm. It's going to be decent weather. I know it's not going to be warm in New York at the end of November. Decent weather and possibly a better game. Iowa is what
3: side? The cranberry sauce of the Searles?
1: Yeah, Iowa's the leftovers you feed to the dog after everything's done. You <laughs> scrape it off the plate and go, there you go, bud. Welcome to Thanksgiving.
3: So, Iowa hate is real. You guys didn't lose. You lost one game I to lost them.
1: I my senior year. Yeah, you weren't like, playing, though, though, were you? I was. I was dinged up. I had an MCL sprain. But that one still sticks in my craw, man. That's We had a lot of big wins and the Memorial, a lot of big losses. But walking off Memorial Stadium for the last time with a loss to those losers, that one stop.
2: Well, well, tell me about the, the senior day factor of that day. Is that why that stings so much that, you know, you're honored pregame, you get your little rose, you get a hug from Coach Bo, and and you guys can't get it done on senior day. I've heard a lot of stories of people that, that if it's a, a loss on senior day, it sticks on your craw for a long time.
1: hundred percent. It's, it's the last – I mean, it's your last impression of a Husker, right? I know we had the bowl game, but, like, your last impression of in that stadium, what will you be remembered for? And I know people, like, people forget – But you don't forget your last time in that stadium. Like, I can remember that day vividly coming out of the tunnel, giving Coach Bo a hug, seeing my mom, my dad, my brother there on the stadium, like, and just wanting to walk off there with the Heroes Trophy and going, man, my last time here was a win, a big win over our rivals. Like, and when that doesn't happen, yeah, it it just really sticks with you as a player.
3: Jeremiah Searles with us. Hail, Varsity Radio, Nebraska, Iowa, week as Searles gearing up for Thanksgiving with the fam. Uh, With that, that that game not to dwell on it too much but that was the the infamous Bo swinging his hat how close to to you were Bo to you to Bo were you swinging the hat around because he was within millimeters of the official
1: (laughs) I I still to this day kind of wish like what would have happened if he did right like would he got he would have gotten kicked out for sure sure right like he would have gotten ejected and it's like maybe that's all we would have needed Right, maybe that, maybe him getting the boot and giving the double birds on the way out would have been like the the little little nudge in the pants that we needed. But I also do remember that being the game where we all kind of went to bat for him afterwards to mm-hmm. keep his job. Right, I remember myself, Kenny Bell. I think that was the infamous "I'll go to the gates of hell to fight for Bo Pelini" type mm-hmm. of quote. But you know, I wasn't anywhere close to him. I remember getting the foul, like the, I think I was on the sideline, and I remember getting the, the hearing the the whistle and looking up at the at the big board and seeing him do it. I'm like, well. That's not good. <laughs>
3: Cyril's. what uh, What do you make of of last week? I want to focus in on Chuba and a little bit of the spark the offense had. What do you see from the defense? And let's apply it to, to Black Friday.
1: Yeah, you know, I thought for the situation that Chubba came in, I was really proud of the way that he came in and at least started that football game, right? You know, showing that he's a little faster than I would give him credit for. I mean, I was yelling, slide, slide. And I was like, oh. <laughs> score run little boy run right <laughs> like looks like the poor man's eric crouch streaking up the sideline there and you know so that was great and then he delivered a couple of good balls but overall you know he needs to take a big jump if he is the starter this week of understanding that it's okay to get from one to two to three in his progression because towards the end of the game there it was one tuck and run and there was plenty of times I went back and watched the tape, you know, Bullock's coming open over the middle in the second window or Fedoni's passing the linebackers to get to the second window. And overall, I thought the pass protection was pretty good for the most part from the offensive line. He wasn't under duress a ton all day. You know, so like we talked about at the beginning of the season, guys taking huge jumps from week one to week two, I'd like to see what Purdy can look like going from first start to second start if he is the guy. Uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, I was a little, little disappointed in our ability to get after the quarterback. I thought this was... You know, Tanner Mordecai was a guy we'd be able to get to, frustrate, fluster, and he was able to create and move with his legs, not under pressure, but more just because he couldn't create because it was covered down the field. You know, so losing guys like Nash was a little dinged up, losing Blaze Gunnerson, Elijah Judy, you know, our depth is really being tested at a position that was already kind of limited on depth to start with. You know, so that's gonna be something that's gonna be something very closely watched on Black Friday of how does the depth of our defensive line hold up because it was pretty apparent when when zero and nine were out of the game, Wisconsin knew it and Wisconsin went straight up the gut and I expect Iowa to do a lot of the same.
2: Yeah, with with Iowa's offensive struggles, Searles, is that a concern for you? The fact that Nebraska's defensive line is is thin or because of Iowa's offensive struggles, do you think that this might be the game where if you are going to be thin on the defensive line, you can be okay. I guess which side of the coin are you in terms of just how bad is Iowa's offense?
1: Yeah, you know, I honestly believe Wisconsin's offensive line is much better than Iowa's offensive line. I mean Tanner Bordellini's an NFL player at center, Jack Nelson's an NFL player at tackle. Right. You look at I minute mean, Iowa's offensive line and they just don't have the same type of caliber player across the board. So yeah, it's okay to be a little bit thin at that position, but when it becomes a war of attrition, which is what this game is going to be on Friday, it's the depth that worries me in the second half of, can these guys sustain the the going and getting beaten? Can Nash and Ty play 50, 60 snaps a game? Like, Can those guys do it? And if they can, great, but if they can't, that's when I start getting a little concerned.
2: And to flip it around, Searles, what kind of talent do you see on the Iowa defense? I mean, they're fantastic. As for Chubba, we talked about how poised he was against Wisconsin. I think you worry about that with an Iowa defense that is uh, a bunch of ball hawks in the secondary, linebackers that are fast and flow to the football and really make you pay whenever you try to go inside. What is your concern level in terms of getting another poised performance from, from Chubba Purdy on Friday?
1: Yeah, you know, it's very concerning because the strength of this defense is their front seven. I mean, they're front seven. You talk about the interceptions, those type of things in the back end. That's all caused by the defensive linemen, the linebackers getting to the quarterback and speeding up the throws or giving inherent throws. You know, so for me, being able to run the football in this game is going to be pivotal, but Iowa hasn't let anyone run on them really all year, you know, and. For the way to do it, if you are going to run against this Iowa team, is you can't just bang your head against the wall running up the A gaps and the B gaps. It's got to be the option game, getting to the outside, the speed options, the pin pull type stuff, trying to get to their edges, and then understanding when to take your shots. You know, with Cooper DeGene being out for them, their All American corner, first round draft pick. You know, him not being in there, they're a little thin at the cornerback position. So if you can try and establish even a little bit of a run, I think we'll have limited opportunities, and we have to make sure we take advantage of them, of taking shots over their head to Malachi Coleman or Billy Kemp or Doss, those type of things, because there's not going to be many of them because you're not going to be able to sit back there and pass protection against this team for a very long time. But when we have those opportunities, we have to make the most of them.
3: Cyril's, uh, uh, what do you think happens at quarterback? Uh, Do you think Chubba gets the the, the nod for a second week because of – his dual threat ability. I mean, clearly he looks like he's the best passer. Uh, but you talked about how pivotal the run game is going to be if Harburg's healthy. I mean, he's 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 a tougher runner, or at least his style's more physical. is a faster runner, or at least more uh, more elusive, more big play. Both guys can do big plays on the ground.
1: Yeah, honestly, I think we'll see all three. You know, with with Grant being injured. And being out of that game, you know, you're thin at the at the running back position. Like I remember Grant getting hurt. I looked at my wife and I was like, Gun to my head, tell me who the fourth running back is behind Josh Fleeks. No idea. Pull the trigger. Right. Like we're <laughs> we're basically at that point in death chart on the running back position. So having Harburg, Chubba, and even possibly Sims finding a way to put some gadgets in and finding ways to try and just get some guys that can run with the ball in their hands. I think we'll see all three as a chance. And honestly, Harburg being healthy at this time of the year You know, coming off a high ankle like that, you're not really – Sort of, kind of. You're sort of, kind of healthy. And if that is his strength of the game is being a powerful runner, if you're kind of running on an 80% or even a 75% leg, that's not really the strength of your game anymore. Searles,
2: with uh, with the the issue really for the offense all year being, trying to find that one quarterback, your solution is three quarterbacks. Put them all in the game at the same time. Is that what you're saying here? Like remember the old Bo Pelini diamond formation? You just go three quarterbacks in the backfield?
1: Why not, right? Have Harburg, have Purdy, have Sims back there. Obviously, don't give it to Sims, but like, you know, just kind of figure it out as you go. Who knows what's going to happen?
3: Searles, <laughs> what's this season kind of meant to you as a guy who's had a chance to, to do a couple of games uh, from the booth? You're around the program uh, a ton. You uh, bleed red. Have you been impressed, happy, uh, pausing? Where, where's your take on... The topic of progress.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, I called at the beginning of the year. I thought it was going to be a five win season. You know, that's kind of where I pegged it, you know, and the sad thing is this could very easily be a seven win season right now. You know, I think we dropped the game in Minneapolis and we dropped the Maryland game. Those are the two games to me that are really dropped games that I thought we had every opportunity to win those football games. And, you know, so you look at a team that's really close in a lot of areas and I know that Husker Nation and myself included kind of fall into this trap of like, well, Scott Frost did the same thing, right? Like it was a one score games. It was all this stuff. But for me, they're different end of game scenarios than they've been in the past. In the fact that we are not imploding in the fourth quarter, in my opinion, you know, we're putting ourselves in a position. We're just not quite executing at the high enough level to win, but it's not a total implosion like we've seen at times in the fourth quarter under the Scott Frost regime. So I'm happy with where the growth is. I'm happy with where I see the future of this offense and this defense and the special teams and this whole team going. Again, I think Matt Rule's done a phenomenal job of flipping the culture on its head within the first year. I am happy with where the Husker program is at, and I think it'd be a great way to cap off the year to go to a bowl game.
3: It's been a lot of years, Searles, in the pros, and it is open season in some of those bigger markets on a team's offensive coordinator. Uh, yeah. Right and and Satterfield, people are really respectful. The media in in Nebraska, I'll say that. Uh, that said, there's been questions, and you have social media. You've heard the, the the fans' outcry at times, specifically the last uh, two fourth quarters, uh, last two minutes of the the last two fourth quarters. What's your take on set? Is the guy trying to make a a gourmet meal with? And I'm not knocking the talent of the kids. It's just he's been dealing with an an injured side of the football. Is that how you've looked at it?
1: Yeah. You know, it's hard for me to call for the head of an offensive I'm not asking
3: that. I'm saying the upside of the the system.
1: For sure. No, I'm talking about like the outside world calling for the head of Satterfield. Right. It's hard for me to jump on that bandwagon when you really look at it from an objective person or like objective view. Like this dude lost his top two running backs in the exact same game. He's lost multiple offensive linemen. Right? You lose Marcus Washington midpoint of the year. He really was hurt for the, all of the camps. You didn't really have him either. Right? You've got Fedoni, who's a first-year player, coming in. You start going in a rotating ring of quarterbacks because Sims wasn't the guy you thought he was when you got him here. Like, it's really hard for me to pin all of that on the offensive coordinator and say he's the issue. Right? I just got done doing a podcast for the NFL where I really don't understand why they fired the Buffalo offensive coordinator Like, I really don't understand why they fired him because it's like he wasn't throwing the interceptions, right? Like, he wasn't the one out there fumbling the ball. Like, they were ranked first in every category, but it comes down to eventually someone has to fall on the sword, and everyone's going to have to fall on the sword at one point. But for me, it was the injuries this year. Mm -hmm. It was the injuries, it was all those things, and Rule nailed it in his press conference. Why, when I'm trying to rebuild something from the ground up, would I take an entire phase of the ball and start from ground zero all over again? Sure. It just doesn't make sense.
2: So before we get you out of here, I want to get your thoughts on, on the off season ahead for this Husker offense outside the quarterback position. I think we're all in agreement that Nebraska is likely going to go to the portal for a quarterback. Are there any other spots on the offense where you think Nebraska needs an instant influx of talent via the portal? or Or do you trust the young guys on that
1: offense? Wide receiver. We need a veteran wide receiver. I love the young guys that we have in Malachi Coleman and Dawes and some of the other guys, but we need to bring in a true number one big time receiver to give our quarterback, whoever he is that we bring in a chance, right? You can look across the league, even the, even the young quarterbacks in the league that come in, if they don't have a guy at receiver, it's really hard, right? It's why the Bears traded for DJ Moore to go get Justin Fields, the guy. It's why CJ Stroud has Tank Dell, right? It's, it's a proven fact that if you can have a number one wide receiver, it makes the quarterback's job easier. It's why Adrian Martinez is a freshman, just found wherever Stanley Morgan was and threw him the football, right? It's mm-hmm. why last year they had Palmer and Casey Thompson just threw him the football, right? When you have that security blanket, it helps. And then that, helps, that also helps with the, the, the depth building and the way that those young receivers like, grow and develop. So I think the receiving position is definitely the number two spot that we need to go get at least one or two guys out of the portal on.
3: Jeremiah Searles with a Searles quick prediction.
1: I think I think I think Nebraska wins this game thirteen to ten. All right. Um, I think I think that's the kind of game that we're gonna have. Big red by three says Papa Searles.
3: Best you and your family, Jeremiah. Have a great Thanksgiving, man. Hey, appreciate you guys. Go big red.